0: Really, uh, Rachel, that was um, a perfect segue of of saying that it's God's goodness that leads us, you know, to to unity, um, and the, the unity that He causes, you know, at at the cross. Last uh, last week, we looked at Ephesians chapter two, and how the the power of the blood that Jesus shed on the cross, has made all people who are followers of Jesus, made all of us one new humanity. That we are reconciled and unified in Jesus across all the social barriers that we've created, whether it's race or ethnicity or um, political convictions or whether it's a generation, whether it's economics, whether it's education. That the power of the cross of Jesus transcends all of those and makes us one in him and that that's a gift of god's goodness to make us one in him no matter how different we are and and largely largely the, the the church in the united states has not done that well it's not that the the church is some evil institution set out to separate all kinds of people it's that really it's something much more uh, covert than that. Um, it's that really the, the church has been conformed to the world when it comes to the different social barriers and differences that the world has created. We, we really don't look much different than the world in those ways. And, and that, that's really been that uh, a sin of the church. Instead of being transformed by the power of God on the cross, we've been conformed to the ways of the world. But now we, as a, as a church, we, here at CHPC, we're like, all right, we're going to step into this. We believe God has called God's people to be unified in Jesus no matter what our differences are. And and it's not something that's just going to happen naturally. It's something we're going to work to do. It's something that we're going to take intentional steps to make happen. To go against the ways of the world that create social barriers. Whether it's generation, education, race, ethnicity. Whatever it might be. And... Because we said we want to be intentional about this, we're further down the road than about 85% of the churches in the United States. So by default, that makes us in the lead on this. Yeah, and that's just where we are. We're not experts, but we're walking into We've named it, and we said this is what we want to be about. So we're going to work to do this. And so because of of that, um, some friends uh, and uh, folks at 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 the Ohio State University, for those alums, I'll give you a shout out, go Buckeyes on that one. Um, But they're, they're doing, the sociology department there is doing a two to three year survey and study of churches that are intentionally pursuing this. Um, and uh, um, we're one of uh, a little over 100 churches that they've identified and said we, we want to, to do a, a survey of the, anybody in your congregation that's willing to do it. So you'll be seeing this. There's a little blurb in your bulletin. You'll be getting an email um, for if you would participate in that. But just know that it's legit stuff. You know, that it's, uh, um, uh, uh, e- even for you Michigan grads out there, this is legit stuff, okay? <laughs> I want you to know, we're united in Jesus, okay? Okay, we're united in Jesus. And uh, so they're doing uh, this work, so just know that that'll be coming, and it's part of how we get to participate, and eventually this will be um, uh, put out, and we can see the, you know, the big results. It's all anonymous and that kind of stuff, um, but just... Uh, Another way that we're seeking to to help the church live into this. And and one, one of the things they find, just a little bit of an aside, it's it's churches that are our size and smaller where this can happen. Because when you get too big, you're just going to church like you're going to a concert. You know, you're going to church like you're going to a movie. I mean, it's not a bad thing, good thing, kind of, but it's just the way it is. When you, when you get to a certain size you know, it's like you go to a movie, a movie can be very, um, all kinds of different kind of people there, but you don't ever talk to them. You know, you don't ever really connect with them. And so they're they're trying to connect with um, uh, churches that are really trying to pursue this. So, um, but and again, a, a way that we called to take the lead in doing this. Now, now what we need to recognize is that this unity, this unity in Jesus has already been accomplished. You know, as, as we said, it, it's a, an act of the goodness of God. It, it's what Jesus accomplished at the cross. And what we're seeking to do is live into it. Live into our unity with Jesus, that vertical and that unity with one another who are in Jesus together. That unity has already been accomplished at the cross. And when we gather at the table, we celebrate that unity. And even more than that, we come before God at this table that that has a a, a spiritual presence of the God's spirit that unites us to Jesus on the cross in a spiritual way. As we see in our passage, it's more than just a good um, memory device. It's more than just something that's tactile about what we can feel and taste. There is, as Paul will describe in 1 Corinthians, a a spiritual connection that we are having with Jesus, the the sacramental element of gathering at the table. Um, so our passage, then, is in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 10, starting with verse um, 14. Let's, uh, let's pray together. Almighty God. Speak to us in this time. May your Holy Spirit um, indwell us. um, uh, Open our minds. Open our hearts uh, to hear from you and receive from you. Open our souls that we would receive that encouragement, that strength, that that connection, that unity with Jesus. And his blood that is shed for us. His body that is broken for us. And all that that accomplishes. And unifying us with you and one another. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. All right, it's in uh, 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 10, starting with verse 14, uh, page 932, in your Pew Bible. Therefore, my dear friends, flee from the worship of idols. I speak as to sensible people. Judge for yourselves what I say. The cup of blessing that we bless, is it not a sharing in the blood of Christ? The bread that we break, is it not a sharing in the body of Christ? Because there is one bread, we who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one bread. Now, just to, to note right there, that note here that, that there is a mystical connection that occurs when we take of the cup and the bread. I mean, we are, Paul tells us, we're, we're sharing in his body. We're sharing in his blood. Um, the, the word, some, some of you may be familiar, it's uh, um, a church word, because uh, it's, it's a Greek word, um, Koinonia. It's a word for fellowship. That's the word that he uses here. that, That we're having koinonia with Jesus' body and blood as we participate in this table together. So, so you see how he's saying it, it's more than just a nice um, memory device. It's more than just a nice ritual. There is spiritual reality that is uniting us to Jesus in his body and blood. And then the, the next verse, uniting us to one another as his body. See, that, that union has already occurred. It's what Jesus has accomplished. And now we seek to live that out but it, it's not something we can do by our own power. It's not something we've got the we, we don't have the chops to do it. You know, it. It's not our strategies. It is what God is doing, what he has done at, with, in Christ on the cross and what he is then going to do in us. And so as we come to this table, you know, last month I called it a, a pregame meal. You know, it's a place where we get the nourishment. In in a sense, it's really, it's a power meal, not a happy meal. It's a happy meal, but it's also a power meal. You know, we are nourished by His Spirit in a, a mystical, spiritual way. Supernatural way to carry out the supernatural unity that He accomplished on the cross and that will be lived out perfectly in heaven. So that's what happens, you know, at at this meal. Now, you may be saying, you know, well, aren't you sort of taking that a little far? You're sort of overemphasizing that. I think you're overplaying your cards there, preacher. Well, well, good. That's a, if you had that thought, it's a good thought. You should always question, um, what I'm saying and check it back to the word. Um, always do that. So let, let's just keep going though. Let, verse, verse 18. Consider the people of Israel are not those who eat the sacrifice partners in the altar. All right, so there, there's a connection there, a supernatural connection. What do I imply then, that food sacrificed to idols is anything, or that an idol is anything? No, I imply that what pagans sacrifice, they sacrifice to demons and not to God. I do not want you to be partners with demons. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. You cannot partake of the table of the Lord and the table of demons. Or are you or are we provoking the Lord to jealousy? Are we stronger than he? I mean, so there's the positive side. We're partakers. We're fellowshipping with Jesus on the cross when we gather at the table. But if you're and what was happening in Corinth is there there were other um, events like this that were at pagan shrines and they were uniting with demons. They were partnering with demons in, in those meals. It wasn't just an empty ritual. So both positively and negatively, there's spiritual power. Now, turn the page then to 933 and, and you see some of the specifics now of um, what was happening in, in Corinth. And again, how this, um, this, this meal is, is one of spiritual power and presence of, of God. Um, uh, chapter 11, starting with verse 17. Now, in the following instructions... I do not commend you, because when you come together, it is not for the better, but for the worse. For to begin with, when you come together as a church, I hear that there are divisions among you, and to some extent I believe it. Indeed, there have to be factions among you, for only so will it become clear who among you are genuine. When you come together, it is not really to eat the Lord's Supper. For when the time comes to eat, each of you goes ahead with your own supper, and one goes hungry and another becomes drunk. What? Do you not have homes to eat and drink in? Or do you show contempt for the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? What should I say to you? Should I commend you? In this matter, I do not commend you. All right, so uh, what was was happening in the church in corinth there the, the lord's supper in that day w- wasn't like what we do, but it was more like a picnic you know that everybody would sort of bring what they packed that morning for for lunch and they would gather and then they didn't gather in church buildings in those days they gathered in homes. And what was happening when they gathered and they had the Lord's table together, then everybody would put out their their little cloths and they'd sit around the house and in the house in different places and they'd eat what they brought, like a picnic. And what was happening um, is that the, the church... Then had some people that were very poor. So the folks that were attending church there, they had great economic diversity there. They had the poor. They had people that did not have food in their home to even bring with them, or maybe it was the people that forgot. But it was there were both. People there that showed up with no food. And there were people there that had a great Meal, you know, I mean, they they had stopped by um, raising canes on the way in. They had their chicken fingers and they had the Texas toast and the great ice for the iced tea there. There, uh, And I get no money from raising canes on that. Um, But they they brought it all as a feast. And what Paul says, look, some of you, some of you get drunk and some of you go hungry what you're doing is not the Lord's Supper. Because what had happened was, the church... So, in, in a way, it's been going on since almost the beginning. The, the church was conformed to the ways of the world. They were living the Lord's Supper in the way that the world divided people according to their economic standing. Because even in, in homes, it was, in those days you'd have people who were, who were poor, who were sort of hanging outside of your house... If you were rich enough to have a house, because they needed food, and and you had leftovers, and you you'd give it to them. They they were close by, and so then you had folks, um, and they, they would do that same thing in church. They would go by the social structures of the day in the same way then. And Paul, and so that the poor would come, and they had no food. The rich would come and have a feast. And Paul jumped into the middle of it and said, What are you doing? You're playing according to the ways of the world. And that's not the way the church of Jesus Christ works. We don't live according to those rules. you got to stop doing what you're doing. Because what you're doing, and even though you might call it the Lord's Supper, that's not what it is. Alright, then verse 23 through 26 uh, continues on. And uh, he gives the uh, uh, words of institution for the Lord's Supper. I won't uh, read them. We'll uh, say them or um, something very similar to them in just a little bit when we have the table. But... but Clearly there he's he's saying this institution is to celebrate, is to remember, it is to participate in the cross. In the, the death of Jesus when his body is broken and his blood is shed. Then we'll pick up verse 27. Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be answerable for the body and blood of the Lord. Examine yourselves, and only then eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For all who eat and drink without discerning the body, eat and drink judgment against themselves. For this reason, many of you are weak and ill, and some have died. And this brings home... That this meal is not just a nice ritual. It's not just a good device to heighten our memory. This is a meal where we enact receive the power of the blood of Jesus that unites us to Jesus and unites us to one another. And there is no cross, there is no meal, there is no uniting that is just vertical and not horizontal. It all is, is one movement. And what's happening in Corinth is that as they're calling it the Lord's meal in the way that they're doing it according to the world, God is bringing discipline upon them. He's he's awakening. And what Paul says here, for this reason many of you are weak and ill and some have died. So I don't think there's any way biblically... To, to get away from the spiritual power of us gathering and uniting with Jesus at the cross through this meal. I mean, it's, a, it's a mystery. It's a mystical presence. But it is a work that connects us to Jesus and empowers us. I mean, just as the, the, the bread and the cup nourish our body, through this we believe the Spirit nourishes our very soul for His work. Verse 31, but if we judge ourselves, we would not be judged. But when we are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined so that we may not be condemned along with the world. I mean, the very point is that we are to live in a way different than the way of the world. 33, so then, my brothers and sisters, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. If you're hungry, eat at home. So when you come together, it will not be for your condemnation. About the other things, I'll give you instruction when I come. So the key command of this passage, as we gather at the table in just a few moments, is to examine yourselves. Verse, Verse 28. Examine yourselves, then come and eat of the bread and drink of the cup. But examine yourselves, he goes on um, to say, examine yourselves, um, or 29, for all who eat and drink without discerning the body, eat and drink judgment against themselves. Now, by discerning the body, he's not talking about the bread being the body. He's talking about our relationships with one another. How can you eat this bread and this cup that unites us with Jesus at the cross Where we participate with Jesus at the cross together and then hold grudges, hold hatred, hold um, uh, things against other people who are also brothers and sisters in Jesus. Not just, as we've been talking about, the social constructs around us that separate us, but also even in individual relationships. So so our call, before we come to the table, is to take a moment. And examine, you know, where is it that there is hatred? Where where is it that there is brokenness in in our relationships, particularly with other followers of Jesus? You know, where where is it uh, that uh, we would um, go against the very meaning of the table if we were to come and participate? Examine that within us. Examine that within ourselves now. And then confess it. Yeah? Confess it. Agree with God. Yeah, this is where I'm broken. This is where I need your help. Um, this is, I may not even want to address this. But I know this relationship that's broken or this hatred, this this ism that I might have against some other group of people, whatever that might be, I need your help, your power to take care of that. Then run to the table. Then come and, and get all of Jesus you can. Now, when we have communion a little bit, you're going to be getting up and you're going to be receiving it. I'm only speaking metaphorically. Okay, don't really run to the table you might hurt yourself or somebody but spiritually run to the table and, and why I say that it, this is not something that, that you have to go make yourself clean in order to come to the table this is the one table where you come dirty you know, you, you, but you got to recognize that I mean that's his point the problem in Corinth is they didn't realize they were broken and, and, and how it is a disservice to us if we don't stop and do what Paul says and examine ourselves. Because we're putting ourselves in the crosshairs, a cross to the very purposes of God, and we're joining in spiritually with Him. And that brings judgment and discipline to the church then and even to us today. So let's just take a moment and examine ourselves, our own hearts, and release that um, to God in in prayer. And when the time comes, in just a little bit, let's come to the table. Let's run and receive His power and strength. And for us as a church, I mean, to do what we're saying we we want do, to do—to be a multicultural church across race, economics, and generation—that's not something that we have the wisdom and ability to do all together. It, it's only. By the power of Jesus. So we, we come here because we need Jesus and we want Him. So let's, uh, let's take a moment and let's, uh, let's pray together. Almighty God, we give you praise and adoration for Jesus for His life, for His death, that He did sacrifice for our salvation and for the, the fullness of our lives together in Him. We give You praise that, that all of us who seek to follow You are united with You in a, 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 a spiritual union that is beyond even our wildest imagination. And we ask now as, as we're preparing to, to come to the table that you indeed would, would speak to us. You would reveal to us now. You would help us examine ourselves and hear from you um, where we need your grace and mercy. Where our relationships are, are broken. Where we're, we're not living out being the body of Christ. Whatever it might be. Lord, speak to us now. And Almighty God, we confess to you. We confess to you individually, we confess to you as a, a church ways that we conform to the world instead of being transformed by the power of the cross. We confess that to you. We we recognize that we are not whole and complete. And we 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 want to want to follow after you and be your your people. We take this time as well and we lift up one another. Uh, you, you know the, the concerns, you know the, the issues and the, 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 the need for, for healing relationally, uh, vocationally, um, in uh, our, our jobs, um, in our families, um, uh, in, in uh, relationships with one another. We pray your healing hand. Hear our cries for um, one another, even in, in this moment. And we do take this time and we, we rejoice um, with you, particularly in this, this week for, for Lee Alexander who had uh, um, been diagnosed with, with, with tumors and uh, when the doctors went in this last week to go remove them, they were already gone. And we we praise you for that, Lord. And, and we, we receive that gift from your hands and we simply, the, the, we give you handclaps of praise. We rejoice and celebrate that. You would so do that. And we lift up our other brothers and sisters as as well so that you might be glorified. Your power would be shown forth in every way now, Lord, we, we come together in, in one voice as, as Jesus has taught us um, to pray, um, uh, using um, uh, the, the words that He taught us. So th- and that not just, they're not words we want to say just in rote, but words that continue to form our very soul and, and to form us as a community um, in You. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be Your name. Your kingdom come.